So if I was to ask you, what do you believe in, how would you answer that? For some of us, there's probably a list of things that we could put on there to say, this is what we believe in. Maybe you believe in UFOs. Maybe you believe in a thing called love. Maybe you believe in Sasquatch. Maybe you believe even in God. If we were to say what we believe in, we probably have a lot of different things we can put on that list. And as that list grows, there are probably reasons as to why you believe those things. Maybe it's from a personal experience that you've had. Maybe you have seen something which has caused you to believe in it. Or maybe you've been told a story from someone else and you go, well, this has to be true. We have different reasons for why we believe what we believe. But if we're really honest, if we're really self-reflective, some of the things we believe might not be worth believing in. I know for myself, I have this hope that a certain hockey team will win, and it just leads to disappointment over and over again. Sometimes we have beliefs that maybe we're trying to ground them in something, but whatever we ground it in, it just doesn't seem to turn out. And sometimes when we talk about God, we have some beliefs about God that maybe actually aren't grounded in anything and cause it to be very confusing for us. I don't know if you've ever wondered why you believe what you believe, but I know I have. I know that I wonder that a lot, actually. Sometimes we can believe just freely and just go, I'm comfortable with this. And other times we need to really question it and wonder what is motivating that belief? Where does it come from? Why do we have it? If you could take a moment to think about what you believe in, does anything fit that category? where you really need to reflect and go, why do I believe this? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be in a series called What Should We Believe? And this is not about, you know, UFOs. It's not about other things. It's about God. What should we, as if we follow Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, what should Christians believe? There's a good chance that there are a lot of people who have told you what you should believe, And some of those things might be accurate, some of those things might not be. Sometimes we're told that if you're a Christian, you have to believe this, and maybe there's actually no foundation for it. But we've just been told this is what we should believe. So how do we know what we should believe? Well, I'm a firm believer in history. I believe that the early church had to wrestle with this as they had followed Jesus early followers of Jesus who were with him in person, and then when he died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, meaning he left that space, they had to figure out what does this look like in our daily life? What do we know to be true? And the early church wrestled with this a lot. In the immediate generation after Jesus had died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, the early followers had a a firsthand experience with Jesus. So they were able to go, this is what we believe, because we've heard these words In some cases, they were written down, and they were able to share it with each other. But as time went on, as that generation died, even though they passed on the stories, other people were bringing in other stories and going, well, no, this is really what happened. And they had to wrestle with, is that really true? The early followers of Jesus, much like us, had a lot of information coming at them about who Jesus was. And they had to figure out, well, what do we really believe 
And why do we believe it? And what the early church did was they had a series of creeds. Creeds were basically statements or outlines of what they believe. And over the next little while, we're going to explore the earliest creed that we know of. We call it the Apostles' Creed, but it wasn't written by the apostles. In fact, it was actually came a few hundred years later, probably closer to the year 150 to 200, there was something called the Roman symbol. And this was what the Apostles' Creed is based off of. It's what the early church taught people that this is the story we believe to be true. They had scripture, meaning they had their Old Testament, and they had letters from followers of Jesus, and they had the stories of the Gospels. But to understand them clearer, they had these creeds to say, this is what makes sense and is true. And they based it on the stories of what has been passed on from those who had firsthand experience with Jesus. And also they based it on what was coming at them in their culture. The creeds were meant to be a response to what people were saying was not true. And so the early church created and adopted these creeds which were sayings that were passed on for a long time about who God is, who Jesus is, and what they believe, because there was a lot of people saying, you should believe other things, or this is what's true. And they had to go, well, what is it? Just like today, if you type in a topic in, in your internet browser, if you Google, and you, you search, well, who is God? You could have a whole slew of options to watch could be YouTube videos, could be people on TikTok, could be people just writing blog posts still, saying different things that they believe about God. Well, the early church was dealing with the same thing, even without the internet. People were saying, God's like this, and they had to reflect and go, well, what do we really believe? And so for the next few weeks, we're in this series, and we're looking at this creed, this early church teaching, which to me is what Christians should believe. In fact, we have almost 2,000 years of believing this. And what you might find is there are some things that you think should be there, and they're not. And what you might find is there are some things there, and you're wondering, why is that there? And over the next few weeks, we're going to explore it. For some of us, we might be familiar with it. Maybe we've heard it before. Maybe we come from a tradition that uses creeds. Baptists, you're in a Baptist church right now, typically don't. In fact, they don't like creeds. They say the only thing you need is the Bible, typically, historically. I disagree. I think you need creeds. Creeds aren't the Bible. They aren't Scripture. But they're like the frame to which we can better understand and appreciate Scripture. Scripture is this beautiful tapestry, this work of art. And a creed is like a frame that can keep it on your wall. And so we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed, which will be up on the screen right here, and I'm going to read it right now for those of us who maybe aren't so familiar with it. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his holy Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Next slide. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the grave The third day he rose again from the dead. 
He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That statement is what has been the belief of the Christian church for thousands of years. And so maybe we're not familiar with it, but we're going to be exploring it together and go, is this what I believe? Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, we get to explore who you are more and more. And I thank you that we're not alone in exploring that. That we have the gift of the scriptures that you've inspired long ago, that you spoke to and through people, and that you, we also have the gift of the tradition of the church, a history that spans almost 2,000 years of people following you, knowing the truth about you, Jesus, and devoting their lives to it. And that through history was able to discern and know what is really true. And I pray that we know that. That maybe we can discern through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that maybe what we're believing is not true. Or maybe what we're believing needs to become true. Help us to know that. And as we explore this ancient writing, inspire us to know you more than anything else. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The creed starts with two very simple words, which is, I believe. And so this is a very personal statement. Uh, sometimes people like me would rather say, like, we believe, but there's a good reason why it starts with, I believe. And it says, I believe, because this was typically used in the early church as a statement of, for someone who is going to be baptized. So if they were going to be baptized, saying that they were going to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives, they would make this statement before the baptism to say, this is why I should be part of this Christian tradition. This is why I should be part of the Christian family. So by saying, I believe, it's incredibly important. And the question that we have to have, is that what I believe? And this creed starts very simply. It almost starts in a way that everybody could accept. It says, I believe in and the statement of, I believe in God, is simple. Most of us can say to some extent, I believe in God. But it continues. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in God. Chances are, if you were to talk to somebody and you ask them, do you believe in God? The answer would be yes or no. There's usually not too much in between. Some people might be, I'm just not too sure yet, and that's still kind of leaning towards yes. But either you kind of believe in God or you don't. But how do you describe or who is that God that you believe in? James wrote in his letter, James the brother of Jesus, that you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Believing in God is a, such a universal term that actually it lacks meaning. It lacks truth to it. 
In fact, everybody believes in a God of some kind. It's whatever you put all of your value and your worth towards is something that you worship. So it could be money, it could be your job, it could be your family. We all put something in our lives to be a priority that becomes a God, even if we don't label it God. And so if you were to ask people, do you believe in God? There's a chance that they would say yes, but what God do they believe in? Maybe you have friends who are participants in another religion, and when they talk about God, it's something very different than maybe you hear here on a Sunday. What do you believe when you talk about God? So the early church was writing this document, which is a series of 12 statements about what they believe, and it starts with, I believe in God. And the world that they were writing in was a world where a lot of people believed in God's plural. There are people who had gods for everything. Are familiar with the New Testament? If you've read the book of Acts, there's a story in Acts 17 where Paul, as he's traveling, he goes and he speaks to this community where they have statues for all these gods. And there was one for even the god they weren't too sure of yet. In his world, everybody believed in something. But what do you mean when you say, I believe in God? Well, the creed goes to clarify. When they say, I believe in God, they believe, they believe in God, the Father Almighty. God, the Father Almighty. This, for the audience that was hearing it, could be very familiar. It could be kind of radical at the same time. There's this personal side to it, this idea of Father, and there's also this powerful side of Almighty. And how do you reconcile that into one being? David in the Psalms writes in Psalm 68, verse 5, that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender to widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Early on, people had an understanding that God was a father. If we read our New Testaments, we see how Jesus repeatedly refers to God as father in a very intimate, personal way. And in David, again, in the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29, as he's ending, his, his life is coming to an end. As his son Solomon is going to become king, as they're planning to build the temple, he says this, he says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor of everything in heaven and the earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. David had this understanding that God is grander than anything he could probably understand. But he's also Father. A lot of us have different relationships with our earthly fathers. Some, maybe we haven't even gotten to know them. I'm fortunate to have had a good dad. And I can remember as a child, you always think of your father as bigger than they really are. And my dad's like a foot shorter than me, so... It's true. But you always remember them as so much more than they are. And I know that can be a reality for us when we think of God as well. We don't always fully understand. But the early church wanted its followers to know that we have a God who is Father Almighty. Personal and powerful. Knows you intimately, but is also 
so much more than we can imagine. God is beyond our understanding to some extent. When the creeds were written, there was a certain reality of their time. And one of the realities of their time was you had certain threats outside of the church, meaning other religious leaders, political leaders who didn't like the church, and so you would be persecuted as a follower of Jesus. But you also had threats inside the church. And those threats were people who said, well, I believe in Jesus, but I think it's like this. Or I believe in God, but God's actually more like this. And so there would be this back and forth struggle to understand and know who God really is. And there was this movement at the time called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, while it started a long time ago, still exists today. And it was this idea that some people had this secret knowledge that only they could know about God. And everybody else was wrong. And these Gnostics, one of the things they believed around God, well, they believed a few things, but one was a deep separation and not personal. That God, while we might call him Father, does not have the intimacy of a relationship like that. And so this early church was trying to say, no, that's not the God we know. So when they speak of God the Father Almighty, they're maintaining that personableness. But it goes beyond that. How do we know God is the Almighty? And they follow it up with this statement. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. This is one of the earliest understandings of followers of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Repeatedly, over and over again, they call God creator. This was a big deal for them to understand, and one that we find hard. In Genesis 1.1, it simply starts off with that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to this, this poem of the ordering of creation that God does. Nehemiah, as the story of Nehemiah unfolds, and they are praising God. It says that in Nehemiah 9, 6, the Levites say, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. For early followers of God, they understood that God was creator. That God brought order to chaos, brought meaning to creation. Gnostics would say that the created world is bad. Everything material is bad. And so they wanted to disassociate from the created world. But early followers of Jesus were saying, no, God is the creator of heaven and earth. One of the important things that the early church had to wrestle with too is, well, how did God create? There's a belief in that Gnostic movement that there was stuff existing when God created. So God didn't really create. He actually just kind of formed it all. And if you read through Genesis, you can see where they get some of that idea. But it was really important for the early church to say, no, that's not how it happened. God created out of nothing. And the reason why they say that, and it's really hard for us sometimes to grasp because a lot of our understanding is different than that, we have a different picture from what we've learned and what we think we know. Well, the reason they said that is because to have 
matter or something existing at the same time of God would make God not the first in existence. It would mean that something was there that God didn't make. And if God is almighty, and if God is who the creed says God is, then he had to have created everything. And so there was a wrestling with early followers of God around that. And there's a wrestling that we still do today, because a lot of us have different ideas or understandings on how creation might have come about. But the point is that God created out of nothing. That's the God who is talked about in the creeds. And so for the early church, this was what they wanted people to know. God is Father Almighty, and he demonstrates that through his creation of everything. And so God is relational, but God is also righteous. God is personal, and God is powerful. That the God who we say we follow, if we are Christians, is this God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one we can call Father. And this is what the church had to wrestle with. And this is what we have to wrestle with, too. What do we believe about who God is? Scripture points out over and over again, as we've looked at some of those scriptures, God is Father. God is Creator. So what does that mean to us? When we talk about God, what are we believing about God? Is that how we speak of God? Is that what we believe of God? There's a reality for us that we have to wrestle with, and that is maybe do we think of something other when we think of God? Where does our mind go? Do we think of God as personal? Do we have a relationship with God? Do we think of God as Father? And do we think of God as Almighty, powerful, creator? These are not mutually exclusive. These are combined realities of the description of the God of the Bible. And so this creed has stood the test of time for a reason, that this is what people who follow Jesus believe. And it's hard. We have to wrestle with it. We have to decide, is that what we believe about God? But it doesn't make it less true. So what about you? When you think of God, what do you believe? Do you know God in a personal way, like a father? Do you know God as a holy other way, as in creator, as in majestic, as in more than you can imagine? Both of those come together in the Christian God. The one we can know personally is the one that we truly can't fully know. The one who we speak of is the one that we actually don't have the words to fully express who he is. But he is Father, Creator. He's your God. In all of our different ideas, we need to wrestle with what we believe. And the creed starts with this because it's the foundation on which the story continues. Next week, we're going to continue on in the next statement in the creed, which looks at Jesus, the Son. But until then, I encourage you to pray, consider, wonder, who is the God you say you believe in? Or if you believe at all? And what does it mean to know them relationally and righteously? to know the personal side of God as Father 
and the powerful reality of Creator, Almighty God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we do get to come to you as Father, that it is a gift to us to know you in a real relationship. It's not always easy to fully understand, or the reality is we don't really have the words to express all that you are, that you are something beyond everything we can know, but we try. And I pray this morning that as we began to look at this historical truth that followers of you believe of you as Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that we come to know you more and more as that, as the personal and powerful God, as the one who invites us into a relationship that gives us the privilege of knowing the creator of the universe, even though we can't fully always comprehend it. I pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that as we uh, started to explore this ancient statement and we looked at the scriptures you inspired long ago, that our hearts can be stirred and our minds can be focused on what it is you want us to know about who you are and why we believe it. I pray we come to know you in the truest, most real form we can. And that as we go today, we embrace you as that relational father and gift to us. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.